We're going to now get into the message for today. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm actually going to read out of the Amplified Version. So if you have a different version, then you can just follow along in your Bible. But the Amplified will be on the screen. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form only one body, so it is with Christ. For by one Holy Spirit we were all baptized into one body, spiritually transformed and united together, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one Holy Spirit, since the same Holy Spirit fills each life. For the human body does not consist of one part, but many, limbs and organs. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, is it not on the contrary, still part of the body? If the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, is it not on the contrary, still a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now, as things really are, God has placed and arranged the parts in the body, each, of the, each one of them, just as he willed and saw fit with the best balance of function. If they all were a single organ, where would the rest of the body be? But now, as things really are, There are many parts, different limbs and organs, but a single body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But quite the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are absolutely necessary. And as for those parts which we consider less honorable, these we treat with greater honor, and our less presentable parts are treated with greater modesty, while our more presentable parts do not require it. But God has combined the whole body, given greater honor to that part which lacks it, so that there would be no division or discord in the body, that is, lack of adaptation of the parts to each other, but that the parts may have the same concern for one another. And if one member suffers, all the parts share the suffering. If one member is honored, all rejoice with it. Now you collectively are Christ's body, and individually you are members of it, with his own special purpose and function. So this year, at the beginning of this year and this month in Vision Month, we're kicking it off by talking about taking your place. Taking your place. I could say it like this. Every single person by God's design has a place that God has fit for them in his family. And it's amazing to me when you study just human behavior and all different histories and all different social groups, you you name it, culturally, there's a common denominator that people are yearning to belong. People are yearning to connect. People spend lots of effort and time and energy to try to fit in and be a part of certain kinds of groups so that they would experience some kind of value or fruit of belonging to something and being connected. 
But what I want to tell you, church, is that God's plan and his design is that your greatest sense and greatest part of belonging is in his family and is in the body of Christ. That God wants each and every one of us to take our place in his family and ultimately that the greatest purpose to which our lives would serve is to advance the kingdom of God here on this earth. And for those who discover that, those who've taken their place and found that, it's something that is, you can try to explain, but there's just a rich treasure and a, a rich fruit that is found from that that you now know that you never want to be apart from or out from under. Uh, I love hearing some of the things that we are hearing from our young people and from our youth. Statements like, oh no, this is my home. No, 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 this is my church family. This is where I belong. You know, we have students who are teenagers who don't drive, whose parents are not currently attending church, and they bring them and drop them off here on Sunday morning so that they can attend and come back and pick them up. That's commitment. That's dedication, but even more than that, it's a sense of somebody who says, I, I found my place. I know where I belong, right? And so this is something that, that God is inviting each and every one of us into. And so I will, first of all, say this to the young people here. Uh, you have a place here. We will equip you. We will empower you. We will give your gifts expression. We will help you take your place because we know that God can use you mightily right now at the place and season that you are in in your life. And we are excited to do it. You have a place here. But ask yourself this question Do you know your place? Do you know your place? And if you did, would you take it? Would you step into it? I'm going to give you a few points today through the message to just statements to cause you to think about this. But number one is you have a place, right? You have a place. I opened up with these verses where Paul is describing, he uses picture types, right? Figurative language, and he uses the picture of a human body to illustrate this very example. And he says, just like in a body, so is the family of God, the body of Christ a body, but there are a bunch of different members in the body, right? And different members have different function, but also placement. So this is remarkable because God has put specific gifts, talents, and abilities in each and every one of us that have a unique function and contribution to make but God is also very interested in the placement and positioning of those members in the body because positioning drives function. Think about if the foot were on your wrist, right? Like just to your neighbor real quick, try to scratch their back with your foot and you'll see it doesn't work that way. When something is in an awkward position or out of position, it doesn't work the same way, but all of the members are unique and serve a purpose, and so are each and every one of us. We are united by His Spirit. It says in the Bible that there are diversities of gifts, 
but the same Spirit. Differences of ministries, the same Lord. Diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But it is this, it, just as the Spirit works all these things, He distributes to each one individually as He wills. So God is very precise. He's not random. There's not coincidences with God. There's no accidents, no slips, no mess-ups. You know, sometimes people, when they have a a struggle with self-image and identity, um, they think maybe that there's something wrong with them, or they weren't created right, or they should have had something that someone else has, or they, they... you know, suffer under this cloud of comparison all the time with other people. And I just got to tell you that those things are attacks from the enemy to fracture the very truth of the beauty of the identity that God has created you with. There are gifts and abilities in you that no one else has. It's a unique makeup. And that fits into a specific place in God's family to accomplish a very specific work. And if the enemy could do something to try to to try to uh, come against the body of Christ in any generation, one of the biggest things he would do is try to separate members from the body and from their place of functioning. If you try to isolate them out, right? Try to get them in a place where they are not operable and they're not contributing to the rest of the body. Let me give you an example. My dad, uh, he has his pilot's license. He's been flying since he was like 16 years old. And... Some of his friends, they're part of this like flying group or whatever, and some of his friends volunteer, I think this is just incredible, with their planes that they have to do what are called angel flights. Maybe you've heard of that before. An angel flight is somebody that has the ability and the means to serve in a way that when an organ donor has an organ and someone needs that organ immediately, These pilots bring their planes and they go and they take that organ and they fly it to whatever hospital they need to get it to so that it can be put in that person that is in need in a timely fashion. But here's the thing that I'm thinking about. Is that that organ ultimately has to be put into the body. Ultimately has to be put in position. Ultimately has to be put in place in order for it to really serve its purpose. See, a lot of times people, their, their relationship with church, and I say church, and what I really mean is the body of Christ, but the expression, of course, would be the local church. Their relationship with the church is more like that kidney in a mason jar. It's this organ that has so much potential. It could accomplish so much, but until it's actually put in the body and connected to the rest of the parts of the body and the same blood and the same life begins to flow through it and then the systems come alive together and then all things begin firing in all cylinders, that's when that specific member of the body really begins to reach optimal functioning. And this is God's plan for all of us. He says, I've got a place for you and I want to put you in my family And then I want to use you in a way that begins to make an impact in a bigger picture. In fact, that's point number two, is that your place is a part of a bigger picture. Put up 1 Peter chapter 2, if you don't mind, verse 4. 
Peter says this, coming to him, Jesus, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, listen to this, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. So here now we have a completely different illustration that is basically trying to tell us the same thing. That we are individual parts and we belong to a whole. Paul used the body and members of the body to describe it. Peter is now using a building and stones to describe it. Put the 2022 take your place slide up there if you don't mind, please. So this graphic, as you can see, is a picture of a building up close. It's a zoom in. And there are a bunch of different stones, shapes, and sizes that are kind of all pieced together. And then you also see like a schematic of a blueprint overlaid on top of that, which represents precision, okay? And so that image is designed to really carry forth this message in our minds, but it represents what Peter's saying. We are all living stones. We're pieces of a bigger picture. We're pieces of a building. And then he says the way that building works is this, the foundation of the building which is the solid part that everything has to stand on, is the Word of God. Jesus talks about that in the Sermon on the Mount, right? In the, in the parable of two builders. He says the Word of God is the rock, it's the foundation. But Jesus himself is actually the cornerstone of the foundation. It's through Christ that anything and everything can happen or be accomplished. So he's the corner, the first and most important part of the foundation that is built And then everything else as far as walls and structure go up from there. But they can never be solid and established if they're not put on the foundation to begin with. And he says that we are living stones. So each of us is a member of this structure. And if we take our place, we allow God to lead us and we get planted in the body. We get connected. We begin to contribute. We begin to grow here with the Lord, then we are now a part of this awesome structure, the body of Christ, that God is growing up and erecting stronger and stronger over time. No two stones are the same. They're different textures, different shapes, different sizes. They're all necessary. They all fit into the bigger equation, but every single one is unique and different than another. However, what bonds us together is that we all bear the image of Christ. You ever see building materials like bricks or blocks when it's going up? You know, and they're they're all kind of each individual pieces, but a lot of times stamped into the clay will be the manufacturer's name, like Acme Brick or whatever. It'll have it stamped in, and you can just you can always see who the who the owner is, right? So each and every one of us are unique living stones. We carry the life and DNA of God, but we bear the image of Christ, all of us. It's the same spirit that's working and operating through all of us. So God unites us and brings us together in this building that he is putting together. But I'll tell you this, God will never force us into position. He'll never force us. You ever do puzzles? And you're putting a puzzle together, a bunch of those, you know, the big ones, 
Some of you are like, I don't go above 50 pieces. I'm, you know, and some of you are like the thousand piece puzzle. Um, man, I, I, you impressed me. I don't have the patience for that. <laughs> but you got those puzzles. And you ever have a time where you got a puzzle piece and you're pretty sure it fits? Well, there it is. It's the spot. And you're putting it in there and it, it looks like it's supposed to, but it's just not quite right. And you know in the back of your mind it's, it should fit better if it were the right one. But if you're like me, you kind of you know, twist it. Maybe if I shave the edge of the cardboard with my knife just a little bit. And then you squeeze it in there and it comes popping out, you know. And You know, God never does that. He's not going to force you into position. He just won't. It's an invitation. It's a great invitation with tremendous benefits. But it's an invitation that he is presenting to each and every one of us. He'll let us do the Jonah thing for a while. When God gets a hold of our heart, and, he's, and this is where I'll bet a lot of people are right now. I know that's what God is telling me. I need to make my, my involvement in the body of Christ more of a priority. But we do the Jonah thing. Now I'm going to run here, and I'm going to run there, and I'm going to go to my Tarshish, you know. And God will let storms happen. I mean, he's amazing. He's just, he'll let some things get in our path to interfere with our recklessness and our running to try to get us back on course, but he's never going to grab us and force us and put us right back into position. But he'll, he'll let us do the Jonah thing. I've done the Jonah thing. Have you ever done the Jonah thing, right? But ultimately... I'm going to make a bold statement, but I believe this is theologically completely accurate. That the human heart will never be fully satisfied and set in place with their individual unique purpose until they are advancing the kingdom of God and the body of Christ as the ultimate purpose with their lives to which they're living for. Right? It's not to serve our kingdom. It's not to serve our own pleasures and needs. The irony is is that we're most fulfilled and joyful and satisfied when we're actually serving God's plans for our life. But in order to do that, we actually have to lay our own plans down in order to lay hold of the plans that he has for us that supersede that. Serving the kingdom of God is the ultimate greatest purpose that our lives would serve. I, I love the guy that founded Hobby Lobby. You ever heard of Hobby Lobby? You guys know the story, right? How many people like Hobby Lobby? Yeah. Oh, that was pretty popular. All right. Soft pull, 85%. Okay. Um, so I don't love it because of all the cool stuff in there. Um, there's cool stuff, but I, I like it because of what it represents. You see, David Green, the founder of Hobby Lobby, He's well known for building his business on Christian principles and Christian foundation. In fact, there's a great book. It's called uh, how, how, I earned everything, how I Gave Everything Away and Earned It All Back Again. And it's remarkable. You know, that guy has given away almost every part of the money that's come in. In fact, he's now passed on 
his lineage to another generation. And he went through a process for a, a great deal of time in establishing legal structures and trusts so that the continuation of this company could continue to give away more than it actually brings in. It's incredible. Here's my point in that. I mean, this guy has been blessed. He, he could never spend all the money that he's made. And he's given most of it away. And he's still continuing to give it most away. And his whole point is, I am not here to get rich and wealthy. I'm here to advance God's kingdom. And this is how he's using me to do it. Wow. Do you see how he's like the ark that he sees is so much bigger than himself? It's this bigger picture. And our place is a part of a bigger picture. What it looks like for you is different than David Green or for me or anybody else. But I assure you, if you can see the arc to the bigger picture, then the resources that can flow through your hands and through your stewardship are beyond what you can ever go and earn on your own. <laughs> Point number three, your place matters. Your place matters. It matters. I say it like this, like I see every single person out here and I think God has a great plan for your life and you taking your place in the body of Christ, it matters to the rest of us. Your absence is felt because God's created a place here for you that nobody else can fill. Now, he's sovereign and his plans are going to continue to advance and I get all of that. I'm just saying that your place matters. It's important to God, and it's important to the rest of the body. When I was in my senior year of high school, my very last varsity hockey game for my high school team. I played ever since I was a little kid. It was the very last high school game that I was playing. And for the most part, I never had any serious injuries done. Very last game, and I played defense. This guy's coming down the boards he's flying down the side and he's a he's a big dude and he's coming with full speed and I go straight at him and I'm gonna lay a hit on him to check him and knock him down and when I do something happened I, f I felt something like shift it's like oh man and at first I think that there was so much adrenaline that I didn't feel the pain and so then I, I grabbed my stick and I went for the puck and when I went to grab the puck my, my, my arm wouldn't even, it wouldn't move. That's weird. And so then I was like, I was trying to do it, and I was like all gimpy, and I couldn't move, and I'm weak, and I just, you know, I lost the puck and fumbled it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I, I get off my shift, jump the boards, coach, something's wrong, and he's checking. Turned out that I had separated my shoulder when I hit that guy. And uh, so my shoulder was displaced, and until it was back in place, everything else was, was kind of suffering from the displacement. I could still skate, you know, I could still think, I could still move, but I, I couldn't do what I was there to do, which was help handle the puck and get the puck in the net. That part was now marginalized because of the shoulder. So it was displaced. And here's what I think happens for a lot of people. And the enemy loves to do this. He wants to displace you. He wants to separate you. Because if he gets you out from the fold, 
If he gets you out from the flock, you know the wolves hit the edge first, right? They hit the perimeter. The loose sheep on the fringe that are not tied into the flock. That's where they attack first. The enemy knows if he can get you out there, separate you, move you away from the body, he'll tell you everything. They just want your money. They don't care about you. It's just a business. It's just a sham. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. They'll tell you, the enemy will use anything he can to try to sever people and fracture people from the body. We are not perfect. No church is. But I assure you that your place in the body and being connected is the healthiest and safest place that you can possibly be for your spiritual growth and development. But listen to me. This is encouragement. You may be displaced, but you've never been replaced. You've never been replaced. God still has a place that's ready for you. It's ready if you'll take it. And maybe the Lord's speaking to you right now, and he's saying, you know, this is, this is a part of the next step. I need to be connected to godly family. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. It says, Therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, And listen to this, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, which is the doctrine of of Jesus Christ, the gospel, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, here we are again, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Let me try to just break a few things down with the remaining time that we have left here. They're really significant in this verse. He says, we are growing together as one building. And that word growth actually means to grow both in size and in maturity. So as we connect and we take our place in the body of Christ, then of course the kingdom of heaven advances on the earth Heaven is populated, the body of Christ expands, takes territory away from the enemy here on this earth. People whom are perishing will now be living in heaven eternally as the church grows and gets bigger. But it's also a clear picture that every single one of us, our personal growth there are different growth factors, I understand that, different levers, reading the word and you know, praying, and these are things you can do in your own private time, and I understand that, but there is a clear indication that the ultimate growth of every individual to reach spiritual maturity, or as Paul says, to present each man perfect in Christ, which is fully mature when they go to be with the Lord, that they've reached the fulfillment of their spiritual journey, is imperative that we are connected and part of the body in order for that to happen. Because this is part of how God grows us. And he grows us together. I love that. We're all headed in the same direction. Unique, but we're kind of all on the same path, which is the kingdom of God is expanding. You know what that tells me? That tells me that your success in the kingdom of God and what God wants to do in your life is not in any way threatened or hindered by the success and accomplishments of the person next to you or the person on TV or the person that you hear about that God's doing great things with. 
We don't have to worry about comparison or jealousy because God wants to raise us all up together by the same Spirit to grow into a marvelous structure that is a dwelling place for His presence. We're not threatened or hindered in any way by what God wants to do in our lives because of what He's doing in someone else's life. I don't know, I think somebody might need to hear that today. No ship ever said to another ship, stop stealing my wind. God can do anything he wants to do with each and every one of us, but we go together. God raises us up as a family strong, and his will is being accomplished through the body as we are members individually but remaining connected. Oh. Mm, I think that's pretty good. And so the last thing that I'll say is this. He says, it is so that you will be a dwelling place for God. So this building and this structure of the body of Christ, the family of God. He says it's, it's, it's like a house, a building that creates a dwelling place for God's spirit. Now, we can see this in different ways, in different layers. Individually, this is a body. Yours is a body. It's a temple. And if you know Christ, the Spirit of God dwells in you. So you have the indwelling presence of God by the person of the Holy Spirit. His life is in you. You're alive spiritually, heaven-bound. And then there's, of course, the omnipresence of God, which means he's everywhere all the time. He's outside of everything. He created everything, and he's everywhere all the time. We get that. But the the dwelling place that we create as a body for God's presence speaks about the manifest presence of God. It speaks about that tangible weightiness, the, the evidence of his glory, the realness of God's presence among us that we know, that we see, that we feel. Right, And he says that as you come together and you take your place, as you're connected, that creates a dwelling place for my spirit. Now, it's been my observation that when corporate bodies come together in different instances, gatherings, events, whatever it may be, that when that happens, there can be these fluctuations, I will say. Of God's presence. Sometimes it feels like the tide's very high, and sometimes it feels like it's low. I do believe, with all my heart, that the you take that populace of people, the greater representation of that populace whom are connected and in place, when that is higher, the presence of God is more intense. You take a group of a thousand people and only a few of them are connected, are in place. Then what kind of a dwelling place does that create? But you take a small group of people, 80, 90% of them are in place, are connected, are, are in their part in the body of Christ. And it is like an intense moment and place for God's presence and to increase and to dwell with that people. And we need to be a people who live in and dwell in the presence of God. That we stay refreshed and at rest all times. Because what God has called us to do, it may be great and exciting and huge. It is. 
but it's meant to be done from a place of rest. No striving, no agonizing. God's blessings will make us prosperous, and he adds no sorrow with it. And so that presence of God that's in our dwelling place, it keeps our souls refreshed, and it keeps us in a place of rest because if we've given our hearts to Christ, then we've entered into the place of rest that's available for us. And now it's a matter of just living from it. We already have it. It's just a matter now of living from it. And so I'll just close with that.